The title of today's message is Apples of Gold. Apples of Gold. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 15 says, Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one will upon the earth by the living creatures which his, with his four faces, and the appearance of the wheels and their work was likened to the color of a barrel. And they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. <clears throat> when they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. Verse 19, and when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we pray for a great spirit of revelation. And Lord, we pray for a heavy anointing upon your word. Let it do a mighty, mighty work inside each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You guys may remain standing. Uh-huh. Simon didn't say. Now go ahead and be seated. You're good. Um, who's excited for church this morning? You excited? Excited for church? If you're not excited for church, you can get excited for church, right? Church. That's how you say it. Say it. There you go. A little church action this morning. I'll tell you about a story about a man who was real excited about church. He was, uh, he was a man that got stranded on a desert island all by himself. Uh, not a single soul around him. And uh, at one point, he had lost hope. And then he just kind of accepted his fate that he was going to be there for a little while. And so he started to try to make a little life for himself. And he did, and he did all right, and he survived. And a few years later, uh, this is a true story, a few years later, the, um, the authorities had been searching for this guy, and they happened to fly over the right spot, and they saw some look like like living habitations on this island and they uh so they swooped down and decided to see if this was the right place and sure enough it was and the guy came running out and he was all excited and waving his his hand and his staff in the air and uh, they got down on the ground and they went to rescue him and they saw three um huts that were built pretty good sized huts on the uh little farther back from the shore by the tree line and so they were getting him ready to get him in the uh, in the rescue vehicle, and they said, "Are you? Who else is here on this island? Who? I mean, are there other people that we need to take?" And the guy said, "No, nah, it's just me, just me by myself. I haven't seen a single soul out here." And they were like, "Okay, well, what are these? What are these three huts?" And he goes, "Oh, oh yeah, that uh, that one in the middle, uh, that's where I live, and the one on the left is where I go to church. That's my church." And they're like, "Oh, okay. What's the what's the one on the right?" And he goes, oh, that's, uh, that's where I used to go to church. We had a split. And so then I started going to the other one. So he was real excited about his new church, about where he was going to church. So keep that in mind. It actually will come into play in the sermon this morning. Apples of gold. When we're reading out of the book of Ezekiel, um, what you may or may not know depends on, uh, I guess, how long you've been around uh, church and Christianity and the Word of God, but when we're reading Ezekiel chapter 1, actually, you know what, just reading Ezekiel in general, most people that have a, a general knowledge of the Scriptures understand that uh, the book of Revelation is a deep book and a little bit difficult to understand from time to time, chapter to chapter, a lot of symbolism, uh, a lot of study that has to go into trying to understand that book. Uh, the book of Revelation, it has been said among theologians, is uh, knee-deep waters, and the book of Ezekiel are waters to drown in. So Ezekiel is a very deep and in many, many places difficult to understand book. Uh, I would not approach it without uh, a lot of prayer. 
Not because it could necessarily do you harm, but it can end up being a big waste of time because you cannot, and I say that, understand what I mean, the Word of God is never a waste of time, but it's just very, very difficult to understand this book without God revealing things to you. But it's an, it's an amazing book. He's an amazing prophet, and uh, there's some really deep things in the book of Ezekiel. When we're reading chapter 1, uh, starting in verse, well, we're starting in verse 15, but the entire chapter gives even more description Long runway to tell you that what we're approaching is considered to be one of the greater mysteries in the Word of God, uh, specifically the subject of the wheel inside the wheel. Um, I don't know that we've got it all figured out, but I did see something um, that I think when I compare it to, I think you're going to see a little bit of what we're seeing here. And um, it's really hopefully going to bring um, some things to light and, uh, and be an impactful word this morning. So let's read it again. In Ezekiel chapter 1, and then I'll paint a little picture for you, starting in verse 15. Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel was upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work were like unto the color of a barrel, and they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So this translation from Hebrew to English, and then in the context of the old English style of King James, is a little bit difficult to understand, but... Uh, the picture that he's painting are about the four living creatures with the four faces. Each one has four faces um, that surround the throne of God. You can read more about in Isaiah chapter 6 and get a little bit more description. And then throughout the book of Ezekiel, there's more descriptions of these four living creatures. And these, uh, these four living creatures, they fly around the throne and they cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they are specific creations for a specific reason. Now, when I say the throne of God, if you study the throne of God, it's, uh, it's, not a, it's not a deep, dark mystery. The Word of God brings it right to you at the forefront, that His throne is what we call the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody's pretty much heard of the Ark of the Covenant, right? If not from church, then through Indiana Jones or by some way or other, we've heard of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, it, is a, uh, it is the central piece of, uh, of temple... Uh, ministry in the Old Testament, it is probably the most wholly recognizable instrument that God ever asked Moses to construct, or his people in general to construct, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was just a big box. It was a wooden box, and it was covered in gold. And then there was a lid on the Ark of the Covenant, and that lid was solid gold, and it was called the mercy seat. That mercy seat is where God's presence dwelt. And then he gives us this description in Hebrews six, seven, eight, and nine, and you can really get in there and see that God uh, gave Moses the construct for this Ark of the Covenant and this tabernacle based on what already existed in heaven. And what you end up seeing is that God's own throne is the true Ark of the Covenant, and Moses was given the blueprints to build one on earth. So I know we're covering a lot of information this morning, but just keep that in your head. Uh, now, these four living creatures are the ones that have authority in the heavenly realm uh, to be close to uh, what we call the Ark of the Covenant. Let me take you to Exodus chapter 25. Did we finish Ezekiel that time? Let's read Ezekiel again, sorry. Uh, verse number 16, chapter 116. The appearance of the wheels and their work was likened to the color of a barrel. They four had one likeness. And their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. In other words, uh, they traveled, but when they traveled, their faces never turned. 
If they were going to, and you can read more about it throughout this chapter, but if they were going to turn, it's like their whole body's turned, their neck never had any movement. And there's a reason for that we're going to see in a second. Uh, and when the living creatures went, verse 19, the wheels went by them. Everybody say beside. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up also. So you see this distinct connection between the living creatures and the wheels, right? They're very much attached to one another. They don't go anywhere without each other. Exodus chapter 25, verse number 10. says, they shall make an ark. This is the ark of the covenant that we're talking about. They shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. A cubit and a half shall be the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half shall be the height thereof. You shall overlay it with pure gold, and without shall you overlay it, and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. Thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in one side, and two rings shall be in the other side. Everybody say four. And you shall make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. Verse 14. And you should put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. So what happens is, if you were going to get down to eye level with this box, this ark of the covenant, what you're going to see is on each side of it, it has two rings that are constructed to slide two cylinders, cylindrical shaped pieces of wood through, so that when they slide the, the uh, wood through, there can be four people, and this happened in the Old Testament a lot, uh, one on each corner that could pick up a stave and put it on their shoulder and, and carry the Ark of the Covenant to the next place. You have to remember uh, the Ark of the Covenant was in the wilderness with the people when they were there for 40 years, and they moved around a lot. The tabernacle was mobile. It went a lot of different places, and they ended up camping a lot of different places with it. So there was a certain tribe that was in charge of taking all of the objects of ministry, including the Ark of the Covenant, with them when they folded up this tabernacle and went their way. Specifically, the Ark of the Covenant had these staves. So if you were getting down eye level with it, you would see a circle, a circular piece of wood. Do you, do you see the, can you paint the picture? Going through an actual ring or circle. So you would see a circle inside of a circle. In other words, a wheel inside of a wheel. When you go back up to Ezekiel chapter 1, you're reading about four creatures who are attached to these wheels, and everywhere they go, they don't turn unless their entire body turns. That makes sense if four people are on four corners carrying four staves with a box in the middle. They're not going to be turning their heads and moving their entire bodies. They're going to be stuck to this thing. They've all got to go the same direction. One guy can't go left and the other guy go right. One guy can't go backwards and the other guy go forward. They're all in sync together. So the entire thing turns. All four creatures have to turn the same way at the same time. So what you're seeing in Ezekiel chapter 1 uh, is a vision that Ezekiel is having of these four living creatures literally in the vision taking the throne of God and bringing it from the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. And he's watching them travel around. Now in the Old Testament it says something uh, to the likeness of in the book of Psalms that God likes to travel upon the wings of the cherubim. I've had somebody ask me a question about, you know, if God is everywhere all the time and God can be anywhere that he wants, he can be here one second and there the next second if he wants to show up in bodily form or whatever the case may be, why in the world would that kind of all-powerful God need to take a ride on the back of an angel on the back of a cherubim? The quick answer is because he can, right? Put yourself in his position. 
You could blink your eyes and show up somewhere, or you could ride an angel. Which one would you do? The blinking thing would probably get old after a little while. I'd be like, I could ride an angel. I could ride a lion on the way back. I could uh, ride a zebra tomorrow. I'm going to try everything out. Probably the angel's the, the most fun one. Anyway, um, but in a more literal sense, whenever God sits upon the throne, if you study out this mercy seat, he said, I want you to create two cherubim made out of gold that sit on the top of this mercy seat, and the Spirit of God dwells on top of those. So if God was going to travel on his throne, on his ark, on his seat of mercy, he would be riding on the wings of a cherubim. And if he were going to do that, there would need to be four seraphim slash cherubim that each one had a a corner of a stave to pick it up and to walk with it or fly with it as the as the word of God says here that there are angels. And when they're lifted up, the wheels are lifted up with them and their spirit is in them. So these guys are literally in charge of carrying the presence of God from place to place is what we're seeing. How many of you want the presence of God in your life? Okay, well, go with me on this journey for a moment, and I think we're going to unlock some secrets that will give you an idea of how to access or um, how, how at least to implore the Spirit of God, the presence of God to be in your situation. So the Word of God says He's never far from any one of us. Amen? Amen. Are, you, are we making sense? So far, so good? Okay. Let's go to um, Proverbs chapter 3. If you have um, whatever kind of Bible you have, if you can bookmark, we're going to go from Proverbs chapter 3 to Proverbs chapter 16 to Proverbs chapter 25. And we want to to tie all three of these scriptures together real quickly. And they're going to paint us a little picture this morning. Are you ready? Are you excited? Let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was a God that created the universe pretty big deal inside the universe he created billions upon billions upon billions of stars he created galaxies that are innumerable he created at least three types of different galaxies that we've been able to find he created a spiral galaxy called the milky way and there happens to be one little spot in between two arms of this spiral galaxy where a solar system exists just in the right spot for to be able to be lived on uh, to be a habitat for a carbon-based life form which is you and i and on that one little planet third rock from the sun that we call earth god created a people and this god that's in charge of this entire universe and billions upon trillions of stars loved his people saw that they were always going to fall short of his glory and decided you know what i'm going to do so that i can always be there with them to help guide them and all of their inadequacies and redeem them when they fall and pick them up when they need a hand i'm going to to give them my word so they can hear from me every day that's pretty good of them this morning we're exploring that word so i want you to get your mind in the right place this is the most important document that was ever written god saw fit to deliver it to you and me and then on top of it he goes i'm going to show up Every time that they really ask me to show up, when they want to read the book and understand it, I'm going to give them a spirit of revelation. And that's what we're embarking upon this morning. So for a moment, just stay with me. There's no football game today. First Sunday in a while. I'm going to, get a, I'm going to grab a seat. We're going to hang out. Y'all ready? It's going to be a marathon. Everybody take a deep breath. Uh, cross your legs. Maybe you stretch it out, seventh inning stretch. No football game today, people. 
This is the word of God. Proverbs chapter three, verse 19 says, I'm getting called names from the congregation. Proverbs chapter three, 19 says the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth and by understanding he has established the heavens. It's a pretty good word right there. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth and by understanding he established the heavens. What I want you to connect in this scripture is wisdom is connected to the earth. Everybody say wisdom, Wisdom. earth, Earth. by understanding he has established the heavens. So say understanding Understanding. heavens. Heavens. Okay. Wisdom is the earth. Understanding is the heavens. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And how much better is it to get understanding than silver? Everybody say wisdom, Wisdom. earth, Earth. gold. Gold. These three are tied together. Everybody say understanding, Understanding. heavens, silver. Okay, so through these two scriptures, we've made that connection. Earth is connected to wisdom and gold. The heavens are connected to understanding and silver. Proverbs chapter 25, 11 where we get the title for our sermon this morning, says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Everybody say wisdom, earth, gold. Everybody say understanding, heavens, silver what is it that has the ability let me let me preface this a little bit when they approached jesus christ and they said teach us how to pray he gave them an outline of a direction that you should go with your prayer Our Father who art in heaven, we should recognize that he is our Father and that he dwells in heaven. That should be a sign of respect. Hallowed be thy name. We should understand that his name is is above every other name. There should be some kind of sign of respect and acknowledgement when you begin to pray. You don't have to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But you might want to start it off with Jesus Christ, my Lord, my God, my Savior. However you want to start it off. Father God, we come to you humbly this morning. Whatever. You don't have to have all the Christian lingo down. But you need to acknowledge who God is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He goes through a lot of things about forgiveness, about daily bread, about forgiving our debts. At one point he says, You should always ask this one Really significant thing that I don't know that we would have thought to ask if they didn't approach him and ask him how to pray. He said, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is his will carried out in heaven? One word, perfectly. How is his will carried out in heaven? It's carried out without question. It's carried out unequivocally. It's carried out every time. It never misses the mark. It's always done the right way. And if anybody tries to do it the wrong way, they get kicked out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you would love for God's will to be done in your life every single time, unequivocally, without question, never missing the mark? Would you? I would. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we make that happen? Here's the thing that you may realize or you may not realize that you're doing. 
We've gone through a five-part series talking about how when, when God uh, said that we are Christians and he called us after his own title, what he said was that we are anointed because Christ means the anointed one. So we went through the ingredients of the anointing oil. We saw sacrifice. We saw death. We saw resurrection. Uh, we saw uh, humbleness and meekness and all these different things that come together to make this anointing oil. And when we walk in that anointing, what that anointing is supposed to give us the ability to do is to call things out of heaven and bring them down into this life into earth. <clears throat> i tell you a story I think I told you a little while back. There was a, a, a guy that had a vision of something in heaven. This is not a, a, a joke or a story. This is a true story. I wasn't there to see his vision, but this is what he said he saw. When he was called up to heaven and he was shown certain things and he saw a room um, and that room said unclaimed blessings and he asked the angel if he could go into that room and when he went into that room there were human, it sounds grotesque but in heaven I'm sure it's, it, it, it hits you a little bit different, there were, there were limbs, there were arms, there were legs, there were organs, there were different things that were in that room ready and available and, uh, and there were scrolls rolled up and there were different things and the guy said I, I don't understand what, what all this stuff is and the angel said oh these are these are the unclaimed blessings these are people down on earth that have issues that have prayed for healing that have prayed for an answer and the answer is sitting right here in this room and many times this answer has been delivered to them in other words it's like the angel as the person is standing at the altar and they're saying god i really uh i pray that you would heal me of my cancer I pray that you would heal my broken arm. I pray that you would heal my limb that's been severed. Whatever the thing is, the angel shows up and stands right behind them with the answer in his hand, but they can't see it. And it's there, and they have trouble receiving it. And so then it goes back into this room in heaven. I don't know if he really saw this. I don't know if this was a vision or a dream, but this was what he reiterated the next day. I think something like that exists. I think something like that is true. What we don't realize that we're doing is when we come up to the altar or you find your prayer closet, excuse me this morning, you get alone with God and you ask him for direction, you ask him for healing, you ask him for a blessing in your life. What you're asking is, Father, can you can you take something? that exists in heaven and help me can you deliver it to me here on earth how do we make that connection how do we manifest things in our in our physical life how do we access the promises that god has for us stored up in the heavenly realm how do we access those right here on earth how do we get that nevertheless not my will but thy will let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want that. I assume you want that. Wisdom, earth, gold. Understanding, heaven, silver. What is it that can take the wisdom of earth and combine it with the understanding of heaven? What is it that can take the silver and combine it with the gold? How do we connect earthly things and heavenly things? It's so much more simple than what you might be thinking. Proverbs 25:11 says, "A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold." Everybody say gold. Inside pictures of silver. Everybody say silver. <clears throat> 
a word fitly spoken brings gold and silver together. A word fitly spoken, that helped not at all, bring, I don't know, I need like a new larynx or something, I don't know what I need. A word fitly spoken brings gold and silver together. It's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Now, if that's not enough, I want to tell I want to, I want to uncover to you a mystery that would be difficult to uncover otherwise. Thank you very much. This is, uh, if you want to study the word of God and you want to find nuggets, you want to find secrets inside of his word because he said it is literally his glory to conceal a matter. If you study the word of God and you look up the English word and you try to find the Hebrew rendition of it in the Old Testament, Greek, and the New Testament, when you run across a word that is only translated one time in the way that it is translated, you are embarking upon a secret. You have discovered the surface level of a mystery in the word of God. I can guarantee you that. In Proverbs 25, 11, there is such a word. It is the word fitly. This word fitly, this is the only place in the Bible that it is used this way. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. It is in the word of God 36 times. but it is only translated as fitly once. It happens to be in exactly 22 verses. In a couple of verses, it's repeated. So it's in the Word of God 36 times, but it's in exactly 22 verses, which is not a coincidence. The Hebrew language has exactly 22 letters. And every word that God spoke in the beginning to create the universe, he had to have letters to speak those words. And the alphabet that he revealed to Moses was the Hebrew alphabet. So everything that he created, he created with 22 letters. And when we're asking God to bring things out of heaven down into earth, there's a word in the middle of this scripture that appears in the word of God exactly 22 times. It is the word fitly. And that word will reveal to you the mystery of how you bring things out of heaven into the earthly realm. 35 other times this word is translated as wheel. Exodus chapter 1 verse 15. There were four living creatures and they carried a wheel inside of a wheel. It is the same Hebrew word for fitly. That wheel inside of that wheel, remember that represents the transportation of the throne of God. The transportation of the throne of God that brings something out of heaven down into earth. Everybody say a word. word. Everybody say a word. word. No, think of a word and say it. No, can you do it? (laughs) A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken brings heaven and earth together. A good word is like a wheel inside of a wheel. In other words, God is transported on his very throne by the words that come out of your mouth. A word fitly spoken. Don't believe me? Uh, Psalms 22 says that he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, in the Chinese Bible, I know it's a little stretch, but in the Chinese Bible it says that he sits upon the praises of his people. Now we know that he sits on his throne. We know that our prayers go up into the heavens and are captured in a vial and are poured out in the book of Revelation. So where does our praise go, as Omar said this morning? Where does our worship go? According to the Chinese Bible, it goes directly into the throne of God, which is pretty amazing because when we're worshiping him, we're lifting 
lifting him up. And when we lift him up, he says, I will draw all men nigh. So it's the words of your mouth. It's the praise that comes out. It's the worship that you give that goes into the throne of God and draws the throne of God out of heaven into earth, into your situation. Everybody say a word. word. And God said, everybody say word. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I want to, do you see the contradiction to a degree? In Genesis it says, God spoke. He said, Let there be light, and there was light. In Hebrews 11 it says, The worlds were created through faith. And framed by the word of God. So which one is true? Did it come through his word or did it come through faith? Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says the following. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you hear the word of God? How do you hear anything? It's got to be spoken, right? How do you hear a word? It's got to come out of somebody's mouth. So a word and faith are combined. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when God said, let there be light and then there was light, that is faith at work. Faith at work means your words and your actions or your words and God's actions meet up. It means your word follows after his word. You want to speak a word of faith? Let it echo the word of God. And by the word that comes out of your mouth, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's why the word of God says, if there be anything that is beautiful, if there be anything that is lovely, if there be anything that is godly, let us believe on these things. Let us believe a good report because the doctor might say you have eight months to live. That's not a word fitly spoken. The church of the living God says he can heal you right now. The word of God says if we place oil upon you, call forth the elders of the church, we lay hands and the prayer of faith can heal the saints. Amen. That is a word fitly spoken. If we speak that and you believe that, we can take the throne of God out of heaven, bring it down to earth and watch the thing happen. But it's got to be a word fitly spoken. The world says that you can't. The world says that God won't. The world says that it's illegal. The world says that it won't happen. The world says you're going to die. The world says you're going to lose. The world says you're going to be depressed. That is not a word fitly spoken. That is a word from the pit of hell. When you take a word that is fitly spoken and you place it over a word that the devil spoke, what you're doing are taking apples of gold, wisdom, the earth, and you're placing it inside of pictures of silver, understanding the heavens. Words are important. Words are powerful. Words are serious. Galatians chapter 3 verse 2 says, This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 5. He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Everybody say a word. There was a woman once upon a time. I didn't mean to go here. This is a whole nother message. There's no football game today. Once upon a time, she had an issue of blood for 12 years. Could have died. Maybe should have died. Hung on. Issue of blood for 12 years. Now, she heard about Jesus. Jesus. 
Okay, this is your life I'm talking about. Are you with me? If you're a man in the room and you think you can't relate, you are called the bride of Christ. And you have an issue of blood. It's the blood of Jesus. That's not on some of your life, but should be. So this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. Physically a real issue of blood. Should have died. She heard about Jesus walking down the street. She heard about this guy who spit in mud, <clears throat> rubbed it on people's faces, and they got their sight back. Worth it. She heard about this guy who laid hands on, on, on lepers, and they got healed. She heard about this Jesus guy, and at this point hadn't happened, but, but would happen. This guy who, who loved his best friend showed up at least four days late to his funeral, spoke his name, and raised him from the dead. She heard about this guy who did miracles, who the leader of the entire land named Nicodemus went to in the middle of the night and said, we know that you must be from God. She heard about Jesus, and she decided, now this is what you know, and then I'm going to tell you something you may not know. What you know is she decided to walk through a crowd of people, through a big hustle and bustle, get everybody out of the way, down on her hands and knees. You might not have known that because you might not know about the garment that she touched the corners of. This garment would have gone all the way down to his feet in order to touch the garment where the Old Testament says there would be healing in the wings, which is a Hebrew word for the corners of a, uh, of a, of a prayer garment, of a prayer shawl, where the zitzit exists, which is a whole other Hebrew thing. In order to touch that, she would have to be down ground level. So she was down on her knees and... It, almost uh, face first before Jesus Christ and going through the crowd. She had to be touching all kinds of people for the sole purpose of walking up to him and touching him. Now we know that she reached out. We know that she grabbed the hem of his garment and we know that she was healed. What you may know or you may not know is that that prayer shawl that he was wearing, that the zit zit that were on the corners or the uh, or the wings of the garment as they're called in the Old Testament, there's a numerical value to those things that equals 613 and there are 613 laws which include the 10 great commandments in the Old Testament. So it was seen that Jesus Christ fulfilled all 613 laws and in the perfection of his law when she reached out and touched him in his perfection that the virtue of that transferred from him to her and began to heal her and she no longer had the issue of blood. Now that's a good message but it's not the whole message. That's not really even the truth. The reason why I'm going to tell you that that's not exactly the truth is because it, it, it couldn't have possibly been based on the law if you understand the law. Because the law says a woman with an issue of blood has to stay in the house. She's not allowed to touch anybody until that issue is cleared up. She's seen as unclean. She's not allowed to brush by her neighbor. She's certainly not allowed to touch a holy man or a priest or one who is recognized as a rabbi. She, there were only two options. There were only two possibilities that could have happened to this woman. When she reached out and touched the hem of garment, uh, his garment, she was either going to get healed or get stoned to death. And that's the truth. That's the punishment for what she did. She broke the law. Yes, he was a fulfiller of the law, 
but she broke the law. So what, why did she break the law and why did it end up to her benefit? Well, I don't know, but maybe in Galatians where Paul writes, this is only what I learned of you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Because she was sitting at home with an issue of blood for 12 years. The Bible says she went to the greatest doctors in the land, spent all of her money, didn't get better, but only got worse. And she was sitting at home trying to figure out about her situation. And she heard about Jesus. She heard about him. And now Paul wants to know, did you receive it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Everybody say a word. See, somebody came by her window and spoke good. You know, there were a lot of people in the land that wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to say he wasn't good enough. They thought he was a heretic. They thought he was preaching blasphemy. They didn't like the way that he looked because the Bible says there was nothing comely about him. He wasn't a good looking guy. They called him a wine bibber. They called him a drunkard. They called him a glutton. They called him all kinds of different names. And you know what happened? There were some people in the land that needed to be healed and needed to be set free, but they heard that he was a wine bibber and a glutton and they never went to the meeting. And then there were other people that were sitting in their house, needed to be healed, needed to be set free, and they heard that he was a miracle worker, so they went. One person heard a word from the pit of hell, another person heard a word fitly spoken, one person got healed and one person did not. Now, did you receive that by the works of the law or did you receive that by the hearing of faith? Paul wants to write, because you know what? You can go ahead and let the corners of your beard fall out. You can do whatever you want to do. Wear, wear the little black fedora, get the thing, the, the old factory in the front of your head. You can go to the wailing wall. You can fulfill all 106, 613 laws in the Old Testament. But if you can't speak a word out of your mouth that echoes and mimics the heart of the living God, You cannot bring heaven to earth. You can pray all you want to pray. You can know all the Christian lingo. You can memorize the 66 books of the Bible. If you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 again. Because Paul says, man, you can do all these things. Paul said, I'm going to tell you a secret. You can speak in tongues. And it's awesome. You can interpret. And that's cool. You can prophesy. And you can probably gain a little following. You could teach, you could preach, you could be radical, sell everything you own, 1 Corinthians 13 says, give it all away to the poor and go save Africa. That last part I made up. Up to that point it says that. You do all that you want to do. And guess what? I love you, but it's worthless. Because you haven't learned how to love like God loves. When you open your mouth, it's never a word fitly spoken. It's a word of division. It's a word of dissent. See, Jesus Christ is in the business of healing people. And you're pointing to his ministers. You're going home after service. You're getting your little group of people that will listen to you together. And instead of speaking life, you're speaking death. Well, this part of it is really good, but this part is not. Well, I don't think he's, he's this, but he's not that. They're doing this, but they're not doing that. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of good. Well, the Spirit of God, yeah, pretty much shows up every week. But, there's, but this isn't going, this, this part isn't right. God bless you. I hope that the church that has it all right also has the Spirit of God. Because if you just go to a place where it's comfortable and everything, everything is, is on the books, 
so to speak correctly and all the all the corners are are laid correctly and the foundations are all nice and everything smells pretty and the the buildings already paid for and you don't like the fact that the spirit of god shows up here there's revelation here there's worship here but we haven't gotten to our building yet and if that's going to make you go to the church that has a building god bless you i'm just praying from the bottom of my heart that they also have the spirit of god A word fitly spoken. I really didn't mean to go there. I'm sorry about that. Um, let's go to... No, we're going to skip that part. No, we're not. Let's go to James chapter 3. Verse number 3. Yeah, we'll go ahead and end with this. So if our worship team wants to come up this morning. It says, behold, James chapter 3, verse number 3. We put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Everybody say fierce winds. Even so, the tongue is a little member (coughs) and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defies the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea are tamed and have been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. The great ships, which are driven by fierce winds. You know what the word wind is in the Greek? It's the word pneuma. You know what that word means? It means wind, breath, or spirit. It's the same word used to describe the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you understand it, but you are part of a ship. When you walk into a church building, into a sanctuary, what you have found for you and your family is Noah's Ark. How do I know that? Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord shall lift up. A standard against him. That's all that the that's all that Noah's Ark was was a long piece of wood which happens to have the same exact proportions of the uh, horizontal piece of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. And that that Noah's Ark, whenever the flood came, it, it didn't go anywhere. It was just lifted up, but it was driven by fierce winds. Everybody say the Spirit. Spirit. Now the Spirit of God should be at the helm. The Spirit of God should be driving the whole show. And what God says is even those great ships, even those great churches, even those great bastions of hope, even Noah's own ark, which is driven by fierce winds, can be turned all the way around by this little bitty member, this little bitty rudder at the back of the ship, which is the tongue. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold, earth, wisdom, and pictures of silver, understanding heaven. Where do you want to go today? Where do you want to go in your life? 
the Spirit of God will direct you and put you on that path. Your tongue is going to steer you. The Bible says we'll give account of every idle word. You would never go to that place if somebody never opened their mouth and said, hey, do you want to go to that place? Where are you inviting people? Where are people inviting you? Do you invite people to the bar? Do you invite people to the church? Because up to that last word, the sentence is the same. Hey, do you want to go to where? The direction is yours, friend. What's going to roll off your tongue next? Hey, do you want to do what? Because the next word can be good or evil. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Don't quote me, but I believe it's in Proverbs 18. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. No big deal, just life and death. (laughs) It's in the power of the tongue. Watch this. I could walk by Jose. I could pat him on the leg. And I could be like, not sure about that jacket. (laughs) I love you, man. I could walk by Jose. I could pat him on the leg. And I could say, man, you look good today. Life and death. I'm going to have an effect on his life one way or the other. When I walk away, it might not change the course of his day because he's a pretty confident guy. And I'm not going to be able to do that. And God bless him. But if it happens enough times to anybody, if it happens even one time to somebody who's not that self-confident because they've been beat down since the day they were a kid, they were abandoned by mom and dad, they were left out on the street, they grew up in an orphanage, they were abused by multiple people, they finally grew up, they don't have any self-confidence, they don't have any self-esteem, they don't know how to act in public, they don't have any social skills, they walk up to you and they're awkward and they're weird and all they get from you is a word not of life but of death, that's going to affect their day. It's in the power of your tongue, life and death. I'm so glad for you when you hand the homeless guy a $5 bill. When you do that, do you say, man, God loves you? Or do you say, don't use it on crack. Please don't go get drunk. Please don't use it on beer. This is really my money, not your money. Don't, don't go screw up like I know you're going to screw up because I look at you as a screw up. You don't have to say that. You just say, man, God bless you. God loves you. Say it. It's your decision. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. I know you've nagged your spouse this week. I know it because they're your spouse. And it's hard to stop doing that, but have you told them this week how much you love them? Have they heard about how beautiful they are? Because they need to hear that. They need to hear it from you. Because I could tell them, And they just might think that I'm trying to reinforce that 10%. They don't know why I'm saying it. (laughs) You could tell them, and it's going to mean something. It's easy to to find things that people are bad at. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to find those things that they're good at. Think of it as a math problem. You have, from the day you're born to the day you die, a maximum of, if you really live to be old, like 30,000 days on this life. 30,000 days, if you're a man, a maximum of like 
300 words a day. If you're a woman, a maximum of like 5,000 words a day. So multiply that times 365 times 30,000 if you live to be, and then subtract about 15,000 if you live half your life. Whatever. Do the math later on the calculator. My point is, from the day you're born until the day you die, you are going to say only a certain number of words. That's it. I don't know what that number is for you, but everybody has a number. How are you going to use that number? You could change it. You could start today. It's not just going to steer other people's lives. It's going to steer your life and your walk with God. Remember, we started out trying to uncover one of the greatest mysteries in the word of God, the wheel inside the wheel. And I hope we did it very simply. And I hope you believe me. And I hope you understand it. That all that represents, sorry, I'm a little OCD. All that represents is the, the throne of God coming from heaven to earth. And, the, and that word wheel inside the wheel is translated fitly in Proverbs uh, that we read chapter 20. Five was it proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 and that wheel inside that wheel it fits together it's fitly spoken it brings the throne of god and the presence of god into a situation it takes apples of gold and places them in pictures of silver it brings the things of earth in contact with the things of heaven and it's all based on the things that come out of your mouth and i know that's true because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and when god wanted to create the universe he's spoken into existence and he used that word fitly in 22 different verses in the word of god and there's 22 letters that he used to create everything i don't think i'm making this up A word fitly spoken. God is good, amen? Amen. God is good. So I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to end this, uh, we're going to end this sermon, this service. If you would stand to your feet. I had a meeting with uh, one of our assistant pastors this week. And he said in the shortest version possible, what is the, what is the vision of Edgewater Church. What are, we, what are we based on? What do we do? Shortest possible way I could say it. Love and encouragement. Love and encouragement. And then I told him a, a short parable about my journey to understanding the depth of the love of God and the significance of an encouraging word. And when I started out in the Spirit of God... I learned about love and I learned about encouragement and that took about 15 seconds and then I wanted to move on to something deeper. I wanted to move on to something more. I thought, you know what? I know God loves everybody. I know he loves the, I know he loves the prostitute, the drunk on the corner, the homeless guy in the ditch, me and the president of the United States all equally. I understand that completely. I don't doubt that. I know God's love is real and I know it's good to be encouraging and speak an encouraging word. But sometimes love comes in the form of tough love. And sometimes you just need to speak the truth. And sometimes you need to not water down your words. And sometimes you just tell like all this different. I want to go deeper and I want to, Jesus said, you know, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword and all this other stuff. And I want to base it off of that. And I want to do this thing. And he said he would split up households if he had to and and all this different stuff and our, our the flesh you know our our, our fight and, and our spiritual warfare is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and powers of darkness and and pulling down of strongholds and all these things and i want that shield of faith i want that armor on i want to be a soldier and yes 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 and i love you i understand that so on the shoreline there was a little just like a little sign love and encouragement and i wanted to jump into the deeper waters of whatever the deeper waters were and for years, I traversed those waters, and I was really happy with the things I was learning and the depth that I felt like I was going to and the, and the difference of the God that I learned about once upon a time and the character and the nature of the God I was learning about now. And, and, I, and I came up out of those waters on the other side, and on the other shoreline, there was another little sign, and it said, 
love and encouragement. And it was almost like, man, I went through all that just to end up where I started out, sort of, but now I, I understand it. Like I had it in my head before, and it took me all of this to get into my heart. And what you find out at the end of the day is it's really all about love and encouragement. It's about all the other stuff too. But you've got to love people and you've got to encourage people because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Where are you going tomorrow? You're going to end up wherever you talk about ending up today. Are you going to go to church next Sunday? It's based, probably going to be based on the conversations you have this week. Are you going to dedicate your life? Are you going to pray this week? It's based on the things that you say to yourself. Because you're either going to say, I don't have time to pray right now because i got to go do this. Or you're going to say, you know what, let me pray before I go do this. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Those are none of the things I wanted to say. The things that I wanted to say were, I honest to God from the bottom of my heart, love you guys. I love this congregation. I think the world of each and every one of you and those that aren't here this morning um, that I also love and that I know are here in spirit. Um, man, I love being here. I love being where I'm at. And... uh Sorry, a second. Um, I know God has great plans for Edgewater Church. I know there's a great vision. I know that he's going to come through. I know that everything's going to come through. And I'm choosing right now, January, what's the date? 26. <laughs> January 26, 2014. Start right now. And I just want to speak life. Just speak life and see what happens. You know what you're going to do this year? You're going to stay married. That's what you're going to do. You're going to love your spouse. You're going to be a good mom. You're going to be a good dad. You're going to serve God. You're going to get promoted. You're going to come through on what you say you're going to do. You're going to find blessings in your life. You're going to learn how to hug. You're going to learn how to shake hands. You're going to speak life to your family. You're going to speak life to your friends. And then you're going to have to start speaking life to strangers because they're going to hear about what you're doing for other people. And they're going to want a little bit of that. Amen. It's going to be a good year. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So plaster Proverbs twenty five eleven on your bathroom mirror because in two thousand fourteen. We need to take these pictures of silver and fill them with as many golden apples as we possibly can. We only have so much time on this earth. Let's make it as heavenly as possible. Amen? Amen. We good with that? Can we start today? Amen. All right. Well, then believe me when I tell you, you're beautiful. God loves you. You're called. You answer the call. You're chosen. You're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, and he has great plans for you. If you don't believe me, you can believe Jeremiah. You can read it in his book. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God is good, amen? amen. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. Because God is good. All we need to know is, and all, all the people around you need to know, is that all things work to good. They don't need to hear about how everything happens for a reason, because some things suck. 
So just tell them instead, since the word of God never says everything happens for a reason, tell them instead what the word of God says, that God uses all things for good, for those that love God and are called to his purpose. I'm not going to tell you he did that negative thing. I don't know what part he had in it because I'm not God and he didn't tell me, but I know he'll use it. All things to good. I know one thing the Bible says, there's a devil and he does stuff too. So as long as there's the devil doing stuff and God doing stuff, let's blame the bad guy for the bad things, the good guy for the good things, and realize that all things work to good. What comes out of your mouth because you're teaching the children of God? Speak life, speak well, speak love.